you know some of you need to stop those chats you know there is this someone you, you you you're chatting with and you know is wrong it's secret you hide it uh, you know you shouldn't be doing it probably it's because you're already in another relationship you need to stop these chats you know some of you uh, need to stop opening your web browser when you are alone because you know what happens every time uh, you promise yourself things won't go down the way they did uh, yesterday be looking at this foolish young man and uh, I know there's also foolish young women but uh, today it's the foolish young man's turn uh, to be looked up. Good evening <laughs> and welcome to Cabin Devils. My name is David and I'm joined by Pastor Sam all the way from Nairobi, Kenya. This is Cabin Devils, your number one live podcast. You know, uh, being the number one live podcast is not an empty statement. We would like to keep it that way. And we shall need your help to do that. If there is any way you would like us to serve you better, uh, please send me a note by emailing me at david, david at cabindevils. That is david at cabindevils.com. And uh, here at Cabin Devils, we bring you the best from all over the world. And today is going to be awesome going to be awesome for the last two episodes we've been looking at relationships and uh of course that's an area that uh is difficult to to master you know not only just boyfriend girlfriend but also husband and uh and wife an area of purity has to come up it is such a hot topic that we had to do two parts for it we covered the first part on wednesday and today is our final part uh, in this series concerning relationships and today is going to be a special focus on this young man who is devoid of understanding. But I want to believe that uh, <laughs> devoid of understanding is, is a very polite way of saying that you are dense. And uh, But today we're not going to be insulting people. Uh, I believe that uh, the Bible uses such phrases to emphasize a major point. Um, and the truth is where there's wisdom, there's also unwiseness. Uh, and, and this is one of those cases. You see, the passage we are looking at is Proverbs uh, chapter 7. And in verse 22, at the end of that passage, it says at once, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with this story, but at the end of that, that particular story in, 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 in chapter 7, the book of Proverbs, it says that once he followed her, talking about this young man devoid of understanding and how he was relating with this adulterous woman. He followed her like an ox going to the slaughter like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. Little knowing it will cost him his life. I read through this story and this last part really caught my attention. Little knowing it will cost him his life. I'm not the main speaker for today, but I would like to, to make a point for anyone here that thinks they can never be that young man. Sometimes we have this phrase where we're saying, that can never be me. And if that is you, can I use the word, you are little knowing. You are little knowing. Someone may ask, at what point did this young man turn foolish? At what point did he turn unwise? What was his first mistake? 
at what point should he have turned around? First, I want to say that uh, his first mistake, we really don't know what his first mistake. We, we don't know if he was always foolish or this was the day he turned foolish all of a sudden. But it's possible that uh, he was always foolish. I mean, foolishness does not develop in one day. That's a possibility. But we're not sure. We are still not sure. I, I, I don't want to believe this was his first compromise either because I think he learned compromise somewhere else. This was the compromise that finally cost him his life. If I'm to assume, I don't think this was his first compromise. He must have compromised in other areas. But this is the one that finally cost him his life. But secondly, when someone asked the question, at what point should he have turned around? I also want you to believe that for every breath that he took, as those verses begin to describe what was happening in his life, for every breath that he took, for every step that he took, right there with him was an opportunity to turn around but he never did. May I question us, maybe today is the day we need to turn around. It might mean uninstalling some apps. It might mean deleting some contacts from our phone. It might mean bringing some things to light that are hidden about us. But I want to believe each one of us tonight has an opportunity to turn around. We could be that foolish young woman. We could be that foolish young man we have an opportunity tonight to turn around. I don't know what that means for each one of us, but I know each one of us right now has an opportunity to turn around. But Sam, you have experienced some foolish young men in your, in your work, uh, in your ministry. And, uh, I mean, we've all been foolish at some point. Um, but what are some of the signs of, uh, of foolishness? How, how can you stand uh, from your window and spot foolishness from afar? Um, how, how do you help foolishness? That, that's a couple of questions. But Pastor Sam, please take us through your thoughts on, 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 on the foolish young men you've experienced. Maybe you've been one of those foolish men I personally have been. Uh, in so many cases, uh, <laughs> growing up, but how are you able to? St- can you be able to? Sp- are you able to spot foolishness from afar? Maybe there's some of us here who are not wise, and we need to to be smacked at the back of the head. What would that smacking look like, Pastor Sam? Um, I think uh, one word that uh, brings this home to me: this idea of foolishness is really anyone who trusts themselves too much anyone who trusts themselves too much that they mm. would put themselves in compromising situation because they think I can handle this, mm. you know, is a, is a mark of foolishness. Uh, what I advocate for is self-distrust and it will be one of the points that we'll be looking at even as we, even as we look at uh, uh, Proverbs 7. Yeah, but you pushed me, I had to let it out, you know, self self-distrust, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a mark of foolishness is really thinking so highly of yourself, you know, and you mm. put yourself in compromising situations. Yeah, I would say that. And and and, so, and you know, that yeah. that sort of thing has uh, has burnt many people. Mm. Yeah. Sam, it's okay for someone to watch a trailer for the movie before they actually watch the movie. <laughs> it's okay. And I'm going I'm going to really double click on that trailer and uh yeah. and, and ask the question how 
what are some of the characteristics of a man that really trusts themselves? Just giving an example. Um, assume it's uh, it's someone you know. How do they look like? Um, I mean, as, as I said earlier, this is someone who uh, will caught disaster or they will put themselves in a compromising situation, you know, and, and I think you have mentioned some of those things, you know, they will, for example, you know, uh, I'm just giving examples here, you know, they can be online, just clicking on websites aimlessly, you know, they don't have anything that they're doing online. They just, you know, hey, I need to, while sometimes so I might as well do it online and, and, and mm. little do they know that while they are there aimlessly just clicking some websites away, that they will soon fall into a trap, you know? Mm. Or a gentleman would invite a, a girl that they have a crush over to their house, you know, hey, come, you know, we can just, we'll just watch a movie, you know, nothing will happen. We'll just, we'll just watch mm. a movie and, and, and just enjoy it together, you know, uh, while holding hands and whatever. And, and maybe and we can just, pray while we're at it. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, we will pray but, and, you know, mm. just thank God for just allowing us just to enjoy a good time together, just just privately, just just a nice romantic mushy movie. The mm. devil is a liar, you know. Um, or that married person who thinks I can I can chat uh, with that lady, that member of the opposite sex, you know. That, that's not my wife. I can just have uh, harmless chats on WhatsApp. You know, we just chat and talk about random things, and we mm. we open up with each other. And but they, they're not. They're not my wife. They're just another mm. a friend, and that it's harmless. And mm. I guess those are things that we're talking about. You you trust yourself too much. Why are you trusting yourself too much? You know, mm. uh, and 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 the, the proverbs will ask, uh, can a man scoop fire on his laps and not get burnt? You know, uh, and that's a you rhetorical know. question that all of us have to answer. You know, I was I was looking at this passage. I'm sorry you declared the passage beforehand. Most of us have already yeah. looked in there and we've divided <laughs> it up. <We've laughs> but yeah. if you can underline the actions, action verbs mm. Uh, mm. from uh, from just this story, starting from verse seven, um, mm-hmm. it's it's just amazing. He was going down the streets. He was walking along. Um, wow. He came. Yeah. Um, Very descriptive. And, uh, it's yeah. The this guy was 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 full of action. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. just there's so much he did. And I was talking to a group of couples, friends, um, last weekend, and I I just cautioned them and I asked them the question: What would you do if your wife said? Um, I mean, the statement usually comes out from men to their wives, and the statement sounds mm-hmm. something like this: She is just a friend. What's the beef? Oh. So we're talking about wisdom and purity today. And uh, uh-huh. your wife reaches out to you and says, that girl, the way she's uh-huh. talking to you, the uh-huh. frequency with which she's texting, you're saying you're going to see her. And, and the man's defense usually is she's just a friend. What's the beef? And uh-huh. right there, it's, it's, a, it's, a turn, it's, a, it's a chance to turn around and the man doesn't. And the man just yeah. doesn't. Yeah. And the reason I'm bringing this up as an example is mm-hmm. it may not necessarily be a first step to sin. Um, mm-hmm. It might be a step towards sin. I don't yeah. think everyone who went down that street 
sinned. Mm -hmm. um, but man, the conditions were so ripe. He's yeah. going down the street near our house, walking along the direction of our house. Not the time of the day, in the twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of the night set in. Mm -hmm. And that's where one begins to say, hey, this timing is not, mm. is not the right timing. And uh, it's, it's just a caution on each one of us here to, to just examine that most likely when the Holy Spirit prompts us on certain things, they may not necessarily be sinful. That friendship may not be sinful. Um, it may not be a sin to be friends with, with, with that individual. But you know at the bottom of your heart that there's a line in which it quickly, quickly is capable of turning into sin. Now, as we come to hear from you, uh, Pastor Sam, one of the things I was thinking about was saying, man, the, the, this particular topic seems to be ancient, uh, starting from David. Okay, not starting from David, but for as far as we can remember. <laughs> yeah. David, this young man, after God's own heart, he struggled through all of these things. And man, thousands of years later, we are here. You would think things would Same be better. Same thing. Mm. Yeah. Things are getting right worse. Right back where, yeah, yeah, we get to worse, you're right. And I, I'm not saying I'm in a good place right now as, as David, but I want to say I've never been excited about God's word like it has been for the last couple of weeks. I've been very, very excited about it. Uh, I've mm -hmm. had to wake up earlier when it's still no, quiet, no noise. We have a young one right now in the house who decides to wake up at 3 a.m., whatever time to wake you up. And I've found mm -hmm. that quiet moment. And I've been looking at the book of Ephesians uh, some, and it's interesting how when the gospel is clear, it, it just revives. It just brings us back. It reminds us of where we came from. Um, Ephesians yeah. is very, very dramatic. It says we have all these riches in Christ Jesus. We we cannot be we cannot be fighting like we are on a losing side. In fact, my phone right now is called on the victory side. That's yeah. the name I gave it. Every time I'm connecting to my hotspot, I'm reminded I'm on the victory side. We have so much resources. You're right. You're right. But You're right. but and and Paul has said for this is the gospel. It's the mm -hmm. power of God. The gospel mm -hmm. does not represent the power of God. It doesn't represent, it doesn't talk about the power of God. Paul says, for mm -hmm. it is the power of God. And mm -hmm. I want to play for you a song that may be a reminder of us to sing the gospel song. Just sing the gospel mm -hmm. song. Be reminded of where Christ picked you from. And, and maybe everything else will come back to you in, in remembering the actual truth, where he saved you from. We cannot walk like the unwise. Ephesians chapter 2 uh, verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is, at now, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at some point, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, it is by grace you have been saved. Amazing, amazing, amazing words. Pastor Sam, why don't you take us through God's word as we, as we just tackle this particular passage and topic. You're welcome. 
thanks, thanks again, uh, David, for inviting me. Because uh, it's uh, I've had such good times uh, being here. This being my third time uh, this week, and uh, I'm excited about this topic. I'm excited about what we're learning, and uh, I mean, what a song that you have chosen to start us with. You know, just reminding us of the power of the gospel, you know, to transform. And, and really, I've been thinking about that same idea this week. And uh, yours was Ephesians, but my, mine was Romans. I was thinking about Romans 6, that part that says, sin shall not have dominion over us, or sin shall not be a master over us. And what a solid foundation, you know, even to begin our conversation, you know, when we understand that we are really on the victor side, or we are on the side of victory, we are more than conquerors. So whatever it is that we are going to talk about, uh, though this we know this topic to be a challenge, you know, sexual purity to be a challenge for many people and many Christians, but this is a monster that the Lord has already, uh, uh, it's, it's a slain monster. The Lord has already cut, chopped off its head. And uh, though it seems to uh, mock us and it seems to, you know, to cause us grief, it, we, we will uh, be victorious in the end of the day as long as we remain true and faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ. So um, today we're going to really uh, just go through Proverbs 7. Uh, it'll be more like a Bible study you know, in the little time that we have remaining. And I'm hoping that you've had an opportunity to go through it. Uh, in fact, I would encourage you to begin from Proverbs 5 You know, in your free time. You can go back two chapters away Proverbs 5 still talks about the same issue, same thing, you know, warning against adultery. Proverbs 6, like half of it is this story again, and then and Proverbs 7. So those three chapters have just been dedicated into this whole issue about being wise, you know, about our sexuality, being wise about purity and so on. Um, and of course, the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom and foolishness. And... Um, yeah, there's a lot there that we can we can learn, but allow me to read uh, verse one to five, because my first point lies there, and it says this: My son, keep my words. I mean Proverbs seven, and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands, and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your kinsman. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. You know, my first point, um, even as we begin, uh, just looking at this issue is study the scriptures. Or I can put it differently and say just soak in the scriptures. That's how Proverbs 7 starts. You know, keep my words. That's what it says. Keep my words. And there are two kinds of words here, if you noticed carefully. There is the words of the wayward woman, which the Bible says there are seductive words. You, you see that in verse 5? The wayward wife with her seductive words. And uh, in fact, Proverbs 5, if, if you were to go there, uh, verse 3, Proverbs 7 says that her lips, you know, they, they drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. So if you pay attention to her words, you know, you'll be led astray very quickly. Man, and the world is full uh, of temptation, and the voice of temptation is very sweet. And, and, and it's a shame that 
many a times we do pay, give our ear to it. But the antidote to that is really simple. It's to pay attention to the word of God. That's where our lifeline is. You know, and um, verse one says, keep my words. We know this has been echoed in Psalms 119. You know, in fact, Psalms 119 says, how can a young man keep his way uh, pure? You know, by living according to your word. Uh, it says in Psalms 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So even before we say anything else, even before we look at the drama that will unfold, Scripture has already given us the answer to how we will overcome. And it's really simple. Man, study the Scriptures. Soak into the Scriptures. Meditate in the Scriptures. Uh, be rich in your understanding of the Scriptures. That's how we will overcome. That's how we will be kept away uh, uh, from sin. In fact, verse 2 there of Proverbs 7 says, Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. That word, the apple of your eye, I think it really just means, you know, treasuring the scriptures. And of course, when we say treasure the scriptures, we do not mean that you buy the most expensive Bible in the store, you know. Because uh, some of you have really awesome Bibles, you know, leather bound, uh, fancy colors with very nice engravings, flowers and so on. But they're gathering dust in your shelves. You know, treasuring God's word means you read it regularly and you meditate on it and have its words engraved in your heart. So even before we begin uh, going into the drama in this story, allow me to ask you this question. How are you doing with your Bible study? Where are you at with your Bible study? Um, if, if you've been slackening in your Bible study, if it has been erratic, you know, just it's very occasional, and, and maybe you are that guy, you're in a season where you have gone many days without going into God's word, then the things that we are about to look into, men are a real danger to you. Uh, because how, how we escape, uh, how the Lord keeps us, is only one way, when we abide in his word, when we are full of the scriptures, when we are full of discernment that comes from interacting with him. So that was my first point, you know, study the scriptures. And by the way, all my points will have an S, will be beginning with an S, just to make it easy for you to remember. So verse 6, um, at the window of my house, I looked down through the uh, lattice. I think that's how they say that word. You, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. And some of your translations say, who lacked judgment. You know, so um, the wise man just looked out in, through his window and he saw that young man who had no sense, who lacked judgment, which is a way of saying he's a fool. He's so a fool. In verse 8, what was he doing? He was going down the street near Hakona. This is exactly what David was talking about, you know, those descriptive words. You know, and, and, and as you read them, you can smell danger. You know, something is going to go down here. You know, he's walking along in the direction of her house at twilight. Oh, what are you doing there? As the day was fading, as the dark of the night sets in, I wonder whether you can smell danger. You know, here he is uh, in the wrong direction and he's oblivious of the dangers of doing so. Uh, and he appears to be trusting himself too much. 
And uh, it just brings us to that point that I said earlier when David asked me, what do, do I think was the first mistake that this guy did? And I already let the cat out of the bag. And I said, this dude's first mistake was self-trust. He trusted himself too much. You know, I can walk in the direction of the tempress's house, this temp- temptress, I don't know how to call her, and, and nothing will happen to me, you know? And it's the same lie that we keep telling ourselves over and over again. You know, I can invite my crush into my house and we can hang out and watch a movie and nothing will happen. You know, I can go into this website and click and just spend time on Twitter and just watch watch people's profile pictures or, or on Instagram, you know, and, 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 and nothing will happen to me. You know, and we trust ourselves too much. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 12 says this says there's a way that appears to be right but in the end it leads to death i'll say that again there's a way that appears to be right but in the end it leads to death and by the way that proverb is repeated again not just in proverbs 14 but also in proverbs 16 verse 25 you know and and another proverb that, that is repeated twice is this one the prudent see danger and hides himself but the simple go on and suffer for it That's Proverbs verse 22, uh, verse 3, and Proverbs 27, verse 12. These Proverbs keep on being repeated again and again. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. The simple go on and suffer for it. And the simple are called simple because they think that they are not in danger. That's why they are called fools. They think they are not in danger. And um, uh, what... I advocate for myself is this thing called self-distrust. Maybe you can take note of that word, self-distrust. That's my second point. Don't trust yourself to handle temptation and walk in the wrong direction. Don't trust yourself that much. Have self-distrust. And I know that it looks countercultural as a Christian. It sort of looks like a contradiction of Christianity, you know, because, you know, Christians were supposed to be because we are Christians, you know, we, we, we are full of trust. You know? you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We are the people of trust. You're right about that. But we trust the Lord. We don't trust ourselves or our flesh. Remember what Jeremiah verse 17, uh, chapter 9 says. It says, the heart is utterly deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? So you, can, you can't be trusting yourself, walking in a direction that is dark and thinking that uh, you you will be able to rescue yourself in good time. You'll be able to say no to yourself, you know, before it's too late and so on. Uh, That's to use the words of Proverbs. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. Allow me to share an analogy and you tell me what you think. You know, there were two drivers who uh, applied for a job advertisement. So they were called for an interview. Uh, on the day of the interview, the first driver came in and he was told it, it was uh, the job was to be a school school bus driver. So they were shown the route that they would be using uh, to take the kids back home, and you know, and the, the route was pretty rough, and they would have to go through cliffs and bridges, you know, without guardrails. And so this first driver was asked, "Hey, how are you going to navigate through this uh, route?" And the first driver said, you know, he thumped his chest. He was very confident of himself and says, you know, I'm a very good driver. In fact, I'm so good 
I can drive very fast, you know, close to the edge of the cliffs, and, and I can still handle the bus. You know, I can dash over the bridge with guardrails. Uh, I can even overtake there, and I will still keep the bus in a pretty good balance. You know, he was trying to impress these interviewers, you know, with his good skills. Uh, well, the interviewers didn't say anything. They just allowed the second man to come in. And they showed him the same route and they asked him how he was going to do it. And, and the man said, you know, I will drive very slowly. In fact, I will stay as far as possible from the cliff edge. You know, and I will go even slower through the bridge with no guardrails. Now I have a question for you. Who between these two do you think got the job? Well, the, the, the answer to that question is really simple. The second guy, because the first guy was a fool. He trusts himself too much. He's a fool. Shouldn't even have been in that interview in the first place. That's a fool right there. And, and the New Testament really has this sort of advice to all Christians. It says, flee from sexual immorality. And we did mention this on Wednesday when we met, when I gave that point about running. Flee. Flee from sexual Don't go towards it. Go the opposite way. You should not be asking yourself, how far is too far? You should be asking yourself, how far can I go from this temptation, you know, um, as far as possible from uh, the edge of the cliff? Not as close, not how near I can go towards the edge of the cliff, but how far uh, can I stay away from it? Uh, there's a guy who was the UN Secretary General. General. His name was uh, Doug Hammerhold. He says, this is, he who wants to keep his garden tidy doesn't reserve a plot for weeds. And I'll say that again. I thought that would be very interesting. He who wants to keep his garden tidy doesn't reserve a plot for weeds. And how many of us reserve a plot for weeds? And yet we claim we want to keep our garden tidy. Well, if you are truly uh, serious about your purity, then you make no reservations, you know? And um, maybe let's just apply this really quickly. And, and David, uh, he really mentioned some of these things. You know, there are some of us who need to stop uh, inviting certain people to their own houses, especially when you are alone. You know it's not good for you. It has never been good for you. Uh, nothing good has ever come out of it. I think somebody did say that mediocrity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You know, you need to stop inviting that person to your house. You just can't handle it. Stop trusting yourself that this time around, things are going to be different. You know, some of you need to stop those chats. You know, there is this someone you, 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 you're chatting with and you know is wrong. It's secret. You hide it. Uh, you, you know you shouldn't be doing it. Probably it's because you're already in another relationship. You need to stop these charts. You know, and some of you uh, need to stop opening your web browser when you are alone. Because you know what happens every time. Uh, you promise yourself things won't go down the way they did uh, yesterday. But it goes down the same road. Flee. That's what First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says. Flee. You know, make no reservations. Don't reserve a plot for weeds in your garden. Okay? And I hope that point is clear, and I think we're moving really uh, fast. My first point was study the scriptures. My second point was self-distrust. 
allow me to continue in verse 10 and we'll get to our third point really quickly. It says, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. I have a question for you. Did, did you not, I don't know how your Bible reads, but how was she dressed? What does your version say? How was she dressed? It says that she was dressed like a prostitute. I'm reading from the NIV. Now, how do prostitutes dress? Um, th there was um, there was a movement in my country here, Kenya. You know, a hashtag. It was something. This hashtag was something like this: "My dress, my choice," and 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 it was really trending here in our country. Uh, it was uh, it was sort of like a, a a movement or a hashtag that was being promoted uh, by many women here in our country, and it was a reaction against some men who were attacking women and raping them and giving this excuse, you know, I was provoked by their dressing. And um, let's first begin by us men. Any man who uh, gives this as the justification for doing, uh, for attacking a woman or raping them or uh, sexually abusing them in any way, saying how they dressed made me, uh, you know, act the way I acted. That is foolishness. Uh, you need to take responsibility for your actions. And these are the sort of people that needs to be locked up behind bars. You know, uh, you cannot give that uh, as a justification for harassing women or for abusing them in any way. So, so in that regard, I do support the women. You know, their dress, their choice in, in, in that sense. So that no man can really provoke a woman just because of that. Everyone is responsible for their own actions, not for what others do. But let's but let's talk as Christians. A true godly woman, and, and I don't know how many women we have you know, in this podcast right now listening. Uh, a true godly woman you know, would be concerned with the impressions they give people. You agree? Or, I mean, I'm trying to imagine a, a true godly woman, a woman who truly loves the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, cares about how people perceive them because they are concerned about bringing glory and honor to the name of Christ. Of course, they are also concerned about helping people find Christ. And if their dressing is going to keep people away from Jesus, then they make adjustments. I mean, of course, uh, we're not saying that you become shady and you now go out there and you look for your grandmother's clothes and you put on so that, you know, hey, I don't stumble anyone. Oh, that's, that's, please, that's not what we're saying. You know, in fact... Uh, anyone who thinks that by being shady that they're doing some service to Jesus, I want you to know that you are wrong. Okay, Jesus doesn't need people to be shady for him. You know, what we are advocating for here is modesty. By the way, I, I want you to know that God, uh, there's this verse, I've forgotten where it is, in Matthew it says that, look at the flowers in the field, you know, God clothes the flowers in the field in a more magnificent way than even how Solomon used to dress. And Solomon was the richest guy, and there was no one who used to dress in the most awesome way like Solomon. And God said, you know, I dress the flowers way much better than that. So I think God is really into fashion, okay? Those of you who thought that this is a pastor here who's going to attack our fashion sense, who's going to legislate fashion for us, no. Um, 
you be fashionable, uh, but be modest. And some of you know how to pull off some uh, one of those uh, godly swag, you know, modest swag. Um, and that's what we are really advocating for. And, and, and the adulteress of course, had no such wisdom. She dressed like a prostitute and she had, and the Bible says she had evil intent. And it's as if uh, it's saying that, you know, it, it is easy to tell people's intent even by how they are dressing. You know, uh, you can just tell. You see somebody is dressing and you know their intent. Uh, listen to this phrase by John Stott. John Stott says, it is one thing to make yourself attractive. It's another to make yourself deliberately seductive. You girls know the difference, and so do we men. <laughs> Man, I like that phrase. Uh, John Stott, go look at, go, go, go look for it. I thought it was very interesting. And it's one thing to make yourself attractive, and it's another to make yourself deliberately seductive. You girls know the difference, and so do we men. You know, so uh, godly ladies in the house, uh, you have some vulnerable men around you. And allow me to say vice versa, you know, and you godly men in the house, you have some vulnerable um, ladies around you. And we need to factor that in whenever we are stepping out of our homes. You know, I, I see uh, fashion these days, whoo, it's a bit radical. Even the kind of things that even men put on is a bit over the top uh, these days. But, but for us as Christians, these are things that we ought to think about. Uh, not to legislate fashion for anyone, but because we love the Lord and, and we care about how people perceive us. And I think that point has been made. Allow me to continue, uh, verse 11. Verse 11 says that she is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the streets, now in the squares. At every corner she lacks. You know, just like the way temptation is at every corner. And she took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, uh, she said a few things. You know, brazen face means, you know, she was bold and she was without shame. You know, I mean, just taking hold of a guy just out of nowhere and kissing kissing him. Man, that, that, that's a bit over the top. That's extreme. Listen to what she said. She said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I have fulfilled my vows. You know, uh, I have come out to meet you. I looked for you and I have found you. Uh, I don't know whether you noticed how fluent this lady is in speaking Christianese. You know, she's fluent, fluent in Christianese. And uh, I, I have fellowship offerings. You know, she even has, she has offerings. Can you imagine that? She has fulfilled her vows. This is Christian talk. And some of you, the enemy knows just how to get you. You know, they hook you up uh, with this brother or with this sister who speaks Christianese fluently. And whenever you are in their presence, you put your guard down because you think to yourself, ah, this is a believer. I'm in the hands of a righteous uh, man or a woman. But all this talk is just to set you up for failure. Anyway, listen to what he says. Uh, listen to, to her talk as she continues. She says, uh, I have come out to meet you. I looked for you and I found you. Can you imagine that? I looked for you. Some of you, no one has ever told you I, I, I was looking for you. You know, many of us uh, don't even get text messages. 
You know, every day, every time we keep looking at our phone, hoping that somebody has texted us or somebody has called us, we, we hope we'll get a missed call or something like that. But everyone is ghosting us. N- nobody is looking for you. You know, uh, maybe except uh, URA uh, or KRA, you know, the, the, the revenue authority, the tax guys, those are the only guys who are looking for you because you need to pay your taxes. Otherwise, nobody's looking for you. And then out of nowhere, this person comes and says, you know, I looked for you. These are the sort of things that make you go crazy. You know, and I have found you. Uh, verse 16, listen to this. I, I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. Listen to the description of these words. And you even begin to wonder, how do colored linens from Egypt look like? You know, I, I just know linen from uh, our local supermarket over here. Verse 17, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. My goodness, you didn't even know people perfume their beds. What is this that she's using? Stay soft? Man, you even can be... I mean, the sort of language she's using is meant to tantalize your senses, to stroke your imagination, and just throw you into confusion. Uh, She continues, verse 18, Come. Let's drink of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. And and some of you might want to underline that word, you know, drink deeply of love till morning. Uh, that till morning part is a lie, okay? The, the devil is a liar. Uh, it, it doesn't, uh, to put it mildly, last that long, okay? Uh, some of you already know what I mean. It, it doesn't last that long. So this is all a lie. It's a big facade. Um and some of you watch movies that lie to you, uh, certain things about sex and so on, you know. Uh, let us drink deeply of love till morning. And of course, we know after she was done saying these things um, to this gentleman, I mean, he he, he went downhill. He, he, he was completely lost, which brings me to my third point. And my third point is really this. Set your boundaries early. Set your boundaries early. Why? Because the world is full of opportunity for sin. Um, as we have read that section, you know, this lady with her brazen face and being so direct, she would just uh, confront the guy and kiss him and and tell him, you know, hey, uh, I'm alone in the house. I've perfumed my bed and so on. As I was thinking about that sort of language, it, it made me think about many of us. And I know that there are many guys who are listening to me right now in this podcast who have not committed adultery or who have never uh, fornicated, not because they are very strong, but because they have lacked opportunity. Come on, let's just, let's just say the truth. You know, uh, virgins in the house. Some of you are still virgins, not because you love the Lord so much and you're preserving yourself. For many, it's actually because they have they, they lack opportunity. But if somebody was to come and be as brazen-faced as this lady was and say, I am all alone. Come, let's drink of love till morning. You would be so thoroughly confused. You will so fall. And so it underscores my point. When opportunity presents itself, that's not when you decide what you're going to do. 
decisions about how we will confront sin or how we will approach sin, they need to be made way, 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 way before even an opportunity for sin arrives. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Set your boundaries early. Uh, not when the sin is there, but well ahead of time, even when there is no temptation. You've already decided how far is too far. You've already made decisions about those things. And I have biblical examples to back this up. Look at Joseph. Uh, we know how Joseph was ambushed by Mrs. Potiphar. And by the way, Mrs. Potiphar in Genesis chapter 39, verse 7, she was really direct. I mean, she, she, she just told to Joseph, hey, come to bed with me. I mean, you, you, you read it and you go like, whatever happened to being discreet, you know, and sending hints? I mean, she, she, she was not like that. She was like direct. Come to bed with me. I have a question for you. Do you think um, Joseph stopped for a minute to make a decision about what he wants to do? Do you think she, he was like, you know, let, wait, piki, piki, ponki, father had a donkey, donkey cry. You know, that's when he's making the decision. Do I go with Miss Potiphar or not? No. Joseph, clearly, from his response, he had already made the decision well ahead of time. I'm not going to behave in a certain way. Even from his response, you can tell this is somebody who had already thought ahead of time where his boundaries were going to be. Uh, another biblical example is Job. In Job chapter 31, verse 1, this is what Job says. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. So well ahead of time, he made a covenant that this is, not, this is what I'm, I'm not going to do. You know, uh, and another biblical example is, is Daniel. And we read in Daniel chapter 1, uh, when uh, Daniel and, and, and the other fine young men were taken to Babylon, um, they, they knew that they were going to be given food sacrifice to idols. And so what did they do? They made a resolution well ahead of time that they were not going to defile themselves. They planned uh, a course of action early, so that when the opportunity presented itself to them, they knew what to say and they knew what to do. And so here's my point, ladies and gentlemen. Let's plan ahead on these matters. Let us decide you know, how we are going to relate with the opposite sex. Make a resolution about such things even before temptation comes. When temptation comes, you will already have known this is what I, I decided I was going to do when I find myself in this situation. And I've done that myself. I, I've, I decided... You know, since I am married, uh, I'm not going to uh, be calling women just randomly. I'm talking to them about, hey, how are you doing? You know, uh, I don't hang out with them. I don't do coffee dates with uh, other girls just randomly and uh, without my wife. If, they, if I need to meet any of them, probably they will come to my home while my wife is there. You know, I, I don't cancel ladies long term. That's a decision I, I made. I'm not going to cancel anyone. Long. In fact, if I do it more than once, a whole lot of people have to know what is going on. Um, I try not to look at ladies twice in the streets. You know, I, 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 I don't allow, and I try not to allow fantasies to linger in my head. Uh, there's, a, there's a phrase that helps me with this one. It was said by John Stott. He said that deeds of shame are often preceded by fantasies of shame. I always keep that in my mind. You know, deeds of shame are often preceded by fantasies of shame. So I try not to keep any fantasy of anyone, anything in my head. 
uh, I skip certain stations on my TV. I've already decided there's a number I don't go past because I know uh, usually those channels, they have stuff that tears apart my spiritual immunity. And that's, and I'm sharing this not because I am so strong, but because I'm admitting that I'm so weak. And, uh, and it will help us to know our kryptonite. You know, this, I think we were talking about Superman uh, in the last episode. Superman had his kryptonite, the thing that used to make him weak. What is your kryptonite? Know your kryptonite and keep your distance. You know, set your boundaries. Stay away from those things that you know would potentially uh, bring you down. And I hope in that point, we made clear. Uh, let me see what time we have. We we'll have some time. All right. Uh, so three points I've made so far. The first one is study the Bible. Second one is self uh, distrust. My third point was set your boundaries early. Uh, allow me to continue verse 19 to my last point. Uh, verse 19, the lady says, uh, my husband is not at home. Uh, he has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. Um, and those two verses really expose a lie that she was telling. And this was the lie. We can get away with it. That's, that's what she was really trying to communicate. There will be no consequences. We can, nobody will know. It will just be this one time. You're hearing those lies? It's only this one time. Nobody will know. We can get away with it. There will be no consequences. And verse 21 says that with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. Verse 22, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Listen to those words. An ox going to the slaughter. You know what's going to happen to that ox there, yeah? Like a deer stepping into a noose. You know what's going to happen to that deer. Till the arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. Farm, it's a trap. It's a trap, man. Run. Little knowing it will cost him his life. Here's my fourth point and my last point. See the consequences before you. See the consequences before you. So my first point was uh, study the scriptures. My second point was um, self-distrust. Uh, my fourth point was set the boundaries ahead of time. And my last point is see the consequences before you. And whenever you keep the consequences in front of you, it will help you see through uh, the deceitful pleasure of sin. It will help you see through the temporary ecstasy of sin, you know, and the reality of what will really, really, truly happen to you. Um, and so this immoral lady was very persuasive. And I know that many of us uh, do enter into risky behavior because we don't properly understand the consequences. And that's why I mentioned that proverb, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27, that says, can a man scoop fire on his laps and not get burnt? You know, uh, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Keep that question in your head. Is it possible for me to walk in that direction and nothing will happen to me? And the answer is no. And so uh, this will be my challenge. And I learned this from a gentleman called Randy Alcon. Uh, write a list of potential consequences of what would happen if you were to give yourself into this temptation. 
you write yourself, think about your life, uh, write a list of consequences. This is what I think would happen. If I was to fall into this temptation, uh, I think this would happen. This, this would be some of the consequences that will come my way. Boom, boom, boom. No, write them down. Uh, I got this idea from Randy Alcon. He, he has a book called The Purity Principle. And Randy Alcon has written down a list. Uh, his list is called Randy Alcon Personalized List of Anticipated Consequences of Immorality. And I want you to go and Google it. Uh, Randy Alcon Personalized List of Anticipated Consequences of Immorality. He wrote it for himself because he, he, he understood the power of knowing what consequences lie ahead of me and how that will help me uh, make sober judgment. And allow me to read some of the things that he wrote on his own, on his list. It, it, it has more than 26 uh, things. This is what he said. He says, number one, if I was to fall into this temptation, this will be consequence number one, grieving my Lord, displeasing the one whose opinion uh, matters the most. Number two, Dragging the dragging into the mud Christ's sacred reputation. Number three, loss of reward and commendation from God. Number four, having to one day look at Jesus in the face at the judgment seat and give an account of why I did it and forcing God to discipline me in various ways. Number five, following in the footsteps of men I know of whose immorality forfeited their ministry and caused me to shudder. And then he, he, say, he writes their list, list of these names. He names some of those guys who have fallen and who made him shudder, you know, people that he used to look up to. He's saying he'll be following in their footsteps. Number six, suffering of innocent people around me who would get hit by my shrapnel. You know, he's talking about the people in his church and so on who would really, really be broken by this. Number seven, untold heart to Nancy, my best friend and loyal wife. Number eight, loss of Nancy's respect and trust. I mean, his list continues again and again and again. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible list. And I want to encourage you to go and check it out and even write your own list. There's just something about anticipating the consequences that sobers you up, that helps you look at things from their proper perspective. Um, and, and the reason why this is a good idea is because Proverbs, again, says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of the grave. It's very sweet, but we need to remember what it will lead to. And uh, some of you already know of men, men of God and women of God and people that you looked up to, people that you consider to be very wise and very spiritual, uh, who fell very terribly, you know, um, into this sort of sin. You know, I, I mean, I know people that have been looking up to, you know, as recent, as, I think as last year, men and women who I would consider to be absolutely wise, brilliant minds, great thinkers who have fallen into this sin. And I know one of them is because they, of course, trusted themselves too much. They did not set their boundaries, but also they did not see the consequences that you know, was coming their way. They did not set the consequences before them. And so there's, 
there's something for us to think about there and i don't want us to to end on that note just thinking that consequences would be enough for us to keep us sober uh, of course we know that for us christians um, the only reason why we want to remain pure is because we love our lord and our savior jesus christ it's not so much because there are consequences in fact listen to what one rapper his name is the truth said uh, he said that we are not just staying pure because we are afraid of getting pregnant, not as believers. The world, they do it because they fear circumstances. We are not just staying pure because we are afraid of catching a disease. He says, these are things we have to factor in. He says, but the only reason we are staying pure is because we love God. Because we love God. That is the most compelling reason why we ought to fight our, our sinful desires which takes us back to the point that I began with, you know, reading the scriptures, you know, and keeping the scriptures close to you. That is the best and the sure bet, you know, for us winning this battle. Because the scriptures, in the scriptures, we find our Lord and our Savior. We begin to understand what he has done for us, begin to understand his love and his commands. And we are helped there to demonstrate our love for the Lord by living right. So, in summary, my, my, my three points again are study the scriptures, have self-distrust, set your boundaries early, lastly, see the consequences before you, and then uh, after that you start again in my first point, which is really uh, trying to help you love the Lord Jesus Christ more and more. Be much in the scriptures. Over to you, uh, David. We can have some conversations now. It's, it's been interesting um, just sitting back and uh, being warned it's, it's, uh, it, it felt like going to the math class without doing your homework <laughs> um, we had very very difficult math teachers and uh, I dreaded Mondays for some reason math was always on Monday morning and it felt like that why because even as you are speaking um, I want to believe each one of us was examining our lives and knowing that um, we are not, we are not, we are not, we are not, we are not ready. We are not ready. And I think that point you made there, distrust, self-distrust is uh, is amazing. Um, why? Because as believers, and I, I, I did this a while ago with a friend. Uh, we sat down and tried to figure out why there's this constant loop in which the things we don't want to do, we end up doing. And I noted something. And I said, you know, Christ finds us in a very desperate position. And uh, through, by his grace, he saves us. And uh, we are able to stand. We are able to be sanctified. And we look back in the mirror and we see how clean we are. And this is what happens next. We look around us and we see that our friends are, are, are trying um, to live like Christ. And then we think we can help. And so we begin to help. We begin to give them some pieces of advice. Um, and before we know it, uh, pride develops because we think we've figured it out. And right there, we begin to think that now we are strong enough. We begin to trust ourselves. And uh, guess what happens? The fall comes. The fall comes after the pride. Pride comes before the fall. And we are back at it again. And God, through his grace and mercy, lifts us up 
And this loop only can only end. It can only end when we realize that through it all, all the time, whether we are able to walk, we are still doing everything by the strength that Christ gives. But thank you so much, Sam, uh, for the points you just made, um, uh, especially in paying attention to God's word, calculating the consequences. Um, the statement that keeps ringing in my head is, little did he know, little did he know. I, I even try yeah. to rephrase it here in my notes. I says, you only know a small part of it. You don't know all of it. You have no idea. You have not figured out yeah. all the consequences. And just when I wrote that statement down, you have not figured out all the consequences. That's when you made the point of write them down. And I said uh-huh. uh, in my notes here, I said, yes, write them down, but you will never uh-huh. exhaust all of them. And here's a point um, <laughs> that uh, Grace made once. He uh-huh. said, she said that, uh, you know, when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, when the devil is looking uh-huh. at Eve and saying, uh, you will not surely die. God knows uh-huh. uh, that uh, if you eat of it, you'll be wise, knowing good and evil. And, and she looked and, and, and she said, this, this is good for food and for gaining wisdom. And she didn't figure yeah. out all the consequences. She did not know uh-huh. that that same day she's going to lose her home, which is the Garden of Eden. Yeah. She never knew uh-huh. that her firstborn is going to die at the hands of the second one. And that that same day uh-huh. she will be without a child because the second one shall run away from home. And she never knew uh-huh. that from that time on, she's going to suffer the pain of childbirth. Adam had no clue that he's going to be sweating for food. Mm -hmm. Adam Mm -hmm. had no clue that David Mm Tubide would suffer the consequences of his sin thousands of years later. You cannot exhaust the consequences of sin. The exercise that we are suggesting for you is only for you to get a glimpse of what mm-hmm. evil does. What actually yeah. sin does, it leads to a process of degradation. When you leave a piece yeah. of meat out of the fridge, it only gets worse, mm-hmm. it begins to rot. And that's what sin yeah. does. That that process is, mm-hmm. is just is just irreversible, if I can put it that way. And I think Ephesians mm-hmm. that we read brings it clear. It says, we were dead, we were dead, we mm-hmm. were dead. I have a friend who made a point once that I, I still remember. And he said, if, for example, right now, if I drop dead and uh, mm-hmm. my heart just goes flat and there's a guy who died last week, if you are to measure the amount of deadness, we are both dead. <laughs> both of us are dead. And so if mm-hmm. you're making some very foolish decisions right now, and you're comparing yourself to another person who probably is sunk in their sin, you're both very unwise right now. And uh, I know we've spent so much time, uh, Sam, just talking about this young man. And and it, yeah. for, for me there, it sounded like a warning to some of us uh-huh. who may not be in that state yet. But I want to believe there could be one or two of us listening right now and they're saying, man, this episode is late. It should have come last month or two months ago or two years ago. It's already too late. I'm in deep. I'm in so deep. And I'm going to ask you for for just some piece of advice. But I was reminded of C.S. Lewis's words when he said, we all want progress. But if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. That is progress. Amen. 
usually don't yeah. think of progress as turning around. We think of progress as continuing mm-hmm. to move forward. He says, in that case, the man mm-hmm. who turns back soonest is the most yeah. progressive. Is the most progressive. Yeah. But any 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 yeah. hope for us some who may not have the luxury of, of taking a warning right now. We we already we're already in some huge mess. We, we just do not know how to turn around. Either the addictions are really developed. We just don't know what to do. And in fact, let me just offer some uh, some solutions mm-hmm. here. Um, if you'd like to talk to someone, I did remind you on Wednesday. Just simply send an email to talk at cabindevils.com. Talk at cabindevils.com. And there's a team of friends uh, who have come together and are willing to answer questions. And this is going to be an extra service provided by Cabin Devils. And uh, if you'd like to, you can uh, just call yourself Jendo or Jendo. Um, and know your name is unknown. And we will give you the piece of advice you'll need to hear. And uh, once in a while, if God allows, we'll actually are looking forward to getting airtime and actually making phone calls uh, to be able to talk through certain issues. But Sam, any any piece of advice to one of us or two of us here who may be looking at us saying, you know what, it's already too late. Is there any hope? What can I do right now? What can I do right now? Sam? Um, so so first, uh, let, me, let me, David, if you allow me, address mm. the... Um, somebody in maybe listening to us and they are not maybe even a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because sometimes we do assume everyone is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ who comes to our gatherings. But it could be somebody, even within their own soul, uh, perhaps they're not. And and, and and what we want to say from the onset is uh, God is not looking for well-behaved pagans. You know, someone might have listened to us the whole time and thought, oh, I guess for me to please the Lord is to just work on this area of my life and then I'll be good. I'll be good with God. And and we want to tell them from the onset that God's standards are way greater than your best efforts and you will keep falling short. It does not begin by attempting to work hard to get yourself out of sin. It begins by you submitting and surrendering your life to him acknowledging that you are a messed up, broken, and disgusted person. You're a person who is a mess and you cannot help yourself and only God can help you. Uh, it's, it's, it's David who said that a broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. And what we need to do is begin from a place of brokenness, recognizing that God and God alone could save us. Um, and what the scripture says that God does is he helps us to take off our old desires, uh, which our old nature, sorry, which has been corrupted by deceitful desires. He makes us new in the attitude of our mind and he gives us a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so I'm talking to that person who is not yet in a loving uh, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they know themselves. I'm not, I've not been working with the Lord. I'm not with him. Uh, It begins by submitting and surrendering yourself to him. But allow me to address the Christian, somebody who loves the Lord, but they have found themselves in this sin. We did mention and talk about this in the last podcast on on, on Wednesday. Maybe they can go back to it. I said three things. The first one, and David, you have mentioned it, is repent. Uh, Turn around. It's never too late uh, to turn around. In fact, somebody said, it doesn't matter how many steps you have made into sin. 
it only takes one step back to God. And that step is called repentance. It's one step out. It doesn't matter how many steps into deep you have gone. So don't say to yourself, I'm into deep. No, you're not into deep uh, before God. It's only one step out for him. And that step is repentance. Uh, we talked about uh, running. Uh, we talk, uh, The scripture says, flee. Um uh, sexual immorality, flee the sinful desires of our youth. And so uh, rather than going, continuing in the path that you have been going on uh, in, that you know is evil and the Lord does not approve of it, run, run from it. And and part of running uh, includes not physical running, because I mean, you're, uh, where do you run? I mean, you can run physically. That's not what we're talking about. But running spiritually could include staying away uh separating yourself from these things that normally bring you down. Uh, I think what I was talking about, the kryptonite. You know you know your kryptonite. You know what uh, makes you fall. Stay away from those things. <coughs> uh, I think the Bible does advocate for something called radical amputation. It says, if your eye causes you to sin, then gouge it out. If your arm causes you to sin, you know, chop off that arm. Of course, it doesn't mean uh, literally, it's a figurative language here. You know, those things that keep you away from the Lord or they take you into sin, you would rather do away with them. Uh, like I made a radical decision uh, that some series are not good for me. And I made a decision that I will not watch them. And it has gone that for a long time so that I can't even remember the last time I sat down to watch any series. Uh, but that was for me because I realized Every time I sat down to watch a series, and, and, and these days we are spoiled for choice. You can be watching like uh, six different series uh, on Netflix at the same time, you know. But I, I saw what they were doing to my spiritual immunity. And I made my personal decision. These things destroy me. And so I stay away. Uh, I decided to stay away from them. And so many, I have so many things like those. Uh, radical amputation. It's, it's called running. That's how you flee. And then lastly... Uh, reach out, uh, reach out to your pastor, reach out to David. Uh, he's already mentioned that uh, he's open for prayers. He's open for counseling. He's open. Uh, there's no shame in the game. We need to be more accountable as Christians. Let's not be lone rangers. Uh, let's do community together. I think scripture says that we should not give up meeting together uh, as some are in the habit of doing, but we ought to come together and spy each other on towards love and good deeds. And so there's a place for community. And so that's what I would say to this person who's struggling. Repent, run, and reach out. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to, before you go to, before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils. Your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.